Turning to Acts chapter 16. Going to read verses 16 to 40 this morning. That's on page 1074 in your church Bibles. And as you are turning to that, I just want to give you a little bit of forewarning of where we're going in our study. We've started the book of Acts in January 2017, and so some of you may think that I'm trying to set a world's record for the largest and longest sermon series in the history of the world. I assure you that is not the case. It has just taken us some time because Acts is 28 chapters and one of the largest books in the New Testament, and it has so much in it. And also, Acts is a book that points us back to the Old Testament, to other places in the New Testament. So many side series and sermon series have come out of that as well. And so I'm telling you this because this is the last Sunday we're going to be looking at Acts for quite some time. Because now we're going to begin to take one of those side journeys in which we begin to focus on something which the book of Acts speaks of. And we've been paying attention. Paul is now in his missionary journeys. And we have seen the completion of his ministry in Galatia. And now here in Philippi. And so now we're going to begin to address some of the epistles which were written for these particular churches. So we're going to start with Galatians next week, and then followed by Philippians. And then we'll find our way back to Acts 17 after that. So just a little bit of housekeeping where we're going, but we are finishing this morning in Paul's journey in Philippi. Acts 16, verse 16 to 40. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household." And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. 
The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now, they do want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came in to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And then they left. Let's pray together. Father, we come before this portion of your word, a larger portion, and we are thankful for what it teaches us. We know that it is inspired by the Spirit to instruct and to teach and to give us correction where that is needed. And so this morning we ask that you would speak mightily. That this word would renew our minds and reorient our hearts and cause us to practice godly deeds in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a couple weeks ago I had the privilege of attending a birthday party for someone that I knew quite well. I'm not going to say who because this is being recorded and what I'm about to say would come back to haunt me. We played a game that evening where we had to guess a particular song by someone playing a piece of that song, and then we had to write down the name of of the song that we thought it was. But I had a serious disadvantage, because most of the songs are from the 50s and 60s, and I do not have those songs on my current playlist. But there were many in the family, oh, I just gave it away, didn't I, that were... Like, oh, I remember that song. Yes, that's so great. And they were showing off their knowledge of days gone by. And so I'm going to start this morning by just doing something a little different. And there's a purpose to this, I assure you. But I'm going to just read a couple samples from two different songs. And I'm going to just maybe have you think as to whether or not you can guess what they are. I'm not going to ask you to stand and put your hand up and say, I've got it. But just mentally tuck it away because I'm going to tell you why we're doing this afterwards. So two songs, and I'll give you a hint. One which I was not given. They're by the same musician. First one. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you will join us, and the world will live as one. I see some people that are smiling. Some people that are thinking I've lost it. Second song. Help me if you can, I'm feeling down, and I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground, won't you please, please help me? Any guesses? If you answer John Lennon, you are correct. The two songs are Help I Need Somebody and the song Imagine. But the question is, and I said there's a purpose to this, you're saying, why am I quoting John Lennon? this morning to begin our message. Maybe you think that I'm just doing this to help you remember the good old days gone past, perhaps, or maybe you think I've had a recent fascination with the Beatles, which is not the case. Or maybe some of you think I've just completely lost it to quote one of the most liberal musicians from the pulpit. 
But the reason why I start with this 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 morning is because these are two famous songs and example of songs that are being sung in our world today, which beyond the music, beyond the charts, capture a common theme that is being expressed and, and debated by our sinful, broken world. See, beyond the melody of these songs, there was the acknowledgement that John Lennon was making, that many in our world are making, the fact that there is a broken world in which we live. That life wasn't the way it was supposed to be, that there has to be a better way, and if we could only just imagine what that could be. In the midst of the brokenness, there's a desperate cry for people to come and help us figure out how can we escape the problems and the brokenness of the world? How can we make sense of it? How can we overcome these things that are coming our way that are causing our life to be so miserable at times? And though this question may not be expressed in the same kind of melody today, it's the question ultimately that all of humanity from the beginning of the fall, has wrestled with. How can we escape and make sense and overcome this broken world? The writings of the most famous philosophers wrestled with this question, from Plato to Aristotle. The victims of families who have lost relatives in terrorist attacks, to the young widow whose husband's life was stripped of him and now leaving her with many fatherless children, to the families as they mourn of the lost loved ones in the funeral homes, the question is, is there any hope? Is there any freedom? Is there any way that we can improve and overcome this condition of brokenness? It's a question that our neighbors down the road are asking. So this morning as we look at this particular text, though it's longer in nature, we find ourselves not just looking at a text which deals with the opposition of Paul and Silas and then the conversion of a Philippian jailer. That is true. And that is what Luke wants us to be reminded about, about the the narrative of the truth of what God did through their ministry. But ultimately, this particular passage at the heart of it addresses this very question that John Lennon was wrestling with that our neighbors are wrestling with, that our co-workers are wrestling with. How do we get free of the brokenness and pain? How do we overcome this world? For that's what the jailer asked, what shall I do to be saved? And so there's much for us to learn here, and we're going to begin by just talking about a few things we see in this passage. First of all, when it comes to the brokenness of this world and the desire to overcome and and be free, we see in verse 16 that Paul encountered a slave girl who was engaged by a demonic spirit who partook in the act of fortune-telling. And so what is significant about this? Well, as John Stott, one of the commentators and most famous commentators of the book of Acts, notes, this act of fortune-telling wasn't just predicting the future, but was about showing how you could have a better life in the future, how you could overcome, how you could be free, how you could go certain avenues and certain paths in order to overcome the brokenness and pain of the world. And, And there were many that were doing this in the region of Philippi. 
In fact, many people made money off the act of telling people about different ways to be free. And so the reason why Paul particularly is so annoyed here is that when they're going around preaching the gospel, this slave girl is going around saying that they are servants of the Most High God. They have a way and a salvation to be claimed and and learned from them. He's annoyed because she's just identifying it as one of those many other things that can help us get freedom and joy in life. And so right away we're reminded that even in the time of Paul's ministry here in Philippi, in the midst of this broken condition, with the question of how can we get free, of how can we overcome and and deal with it all, even then there were many different teachings going around about how you could overcome this broken world. And there's a variety of, of ways that are even spoken of in the New Testament. But the question this morning is, as the question continues to be asked of how can we be free? How can we overcome? How can we deal with the pain and the brokenness? Can there be a better way? A better freedom? Even today, there are many different teachings and offers of salvation that are being thrown around. The people are turning to you for hope and relief in a broken world. And so what are some examples of that? Well, the first and most obvious example is the official world-organized religions that we see all around us. Whether it's Sikh or Islam. Or Buddha. Religions that people are turning to, why? To try to find escape and a meaning for life, hope for this broken world. And so religions are the first example of that. But then we have people in our world today that, maybe you've heard this before, would say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. You ever heard that before? So there's people even in our world today that say, I don't identify, I don't want to identify with any of those religions, but I do believe that there is a way in which I can discover some kind of freedom, some kind of hope, some kind of overcoming the brokenness of this world. And so one of the things that my wife and I like to do when we go to Canada before a, a movie is go into the Starbucks in chapters, and after we get our drink, my wife will make a, a quick turn for the towels and all those things that are not really appealing. But, and I will do what anyone that I think should do, is I go into the book section of chapters, and I'll go through the spirituality section just to see what is... What is out there that's being offered as an escape and a, a hope for people in this world that people are turning to? And so you'll see anything from yoga and meditative rituals of spiritual things, of Oprah's latest book club book to help you discover your, your best self and, and, and discover freedom and hope in the midst of the pain and the brokenness of it all. And people continue to buy it. In fact, the spirituality section in chapters is, one of the, believe it or not, one of the best-selling sections. Because people want to discover some kind of freedom, some kind of hope whether it's through religion or spirituality. But then you also meet people that will say this, based on philosophers like Friedrich Nietzsche and Immanuel Kant. No, no, no. There's no no reason 
to try to look for any kind of freedom or salvation in this world. There's no reason for John Lennon to have written Imagine because there's no way this world could ever be better anyway. Because this is just the way that it is. Brokenness, families being torn apart, death, cancer, it's just the way it is. That's just life. So why try to look for any kind of permanent solution to it? So no, don't, don't look for that, that salvation, that, that's foolishness. But that being said, if, if this is the way that it is and we can't do anything about it, then just really enjoy the good things and take the bad things when they come. Whether it's putting your hope and your joy in work or in hobbies or in movies, interestingly enough, did you know that Cineplex motto is come escape with us. Just get your mind and your, your thoughts off of the brokenness of this world. That's how you're going to deal with it. But any kind of true salvation, no, can't happen. So this being said, this is all just to remind us that in the midst of this world that is acknowledging something's not right, death isn't right, there's a brokenness and a pain, in the midst of this there are many different things that are being said about salvation and freedom. Even in this town, there'll be lots of different views about how we overcome this broken world. But ultimately, church, we gather this morning in this place because we know that in the midst of all these proclamations, of all the spirituality books that are being sold, of all the different thoughts about whether there's true hope or no hope, we gather this morning because we know that there is one hope. And this text reminds us of it this morning. There is only one true way for us to have a better way of life. To be rescued from the brokenness of this world. That is through the work and the name of Jesus Christ. Which is why it's so significant that when Paul, dealing with this girl who's going around saying all these different kinds of salvations, the significance of of Paul casting out that spirit that's working within her in the name of Christ is a strong declaration to her and to her masters and to those who are around her that truly, in the midst of all those different forms of salvation, there is only one that saves. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who we celebrate as we take part in communion this morning, who became flesh, who dwelt among us, who taught us the ways of God, who taught us why the brokenness is here, of why death is here, of why this broken world that people are complaining about and wrestling with, why it is the way that it is. Because we have rejected God, we have turned away from Him, we have sought our own path, and as a result, we have fallen from His glory, and the wages of that sin is death. So He comes and He explains it, and He shows us, and He teaches us. But then he doesn't just leave us with an explanation in our misery to figure it out for ourselves. But then he goes to the cross and he bears our sin and our rebellion upon himself that we might have a chance to be free. 
overcome this world, have everlasting life, atonement for sin, entrance into the eternal kingdom of God where everything is made right and new once again. But, as Paul says to the jailer, if you want to be saved, Christ has done all of these things. But we must believe. We must believe. John 3.16 says to believe in the name of Jesus, they shall not perish. And of course, his name is everything that Christ is and has done and will do. It encompasses all of his nature and his actions. So to believe in his name, yes, we believe that he is man. He's also fully God. He's the very one who created the world and has his purposes for the world. We believe he is the one who has come to reveal to us what the real issue is, why the world is the way it is, why we need freedom and the rescue. We believe that on the cross of Calvary, he provided atonement for sins. We believe that on the third day, he rose from the grave and he sent to the right hand of the Father. We believe that he is reigning through his church as his spirit-empowered church goes and ministers in this broken world. We believe that he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. We believe this. We sing about this. We've sung about it this morning. We believe that in Christ alone, all these things are true. But here's the thing. When Paul is talking to the jailer and saying there is a way to be rescued from it all. There is a way for us to know true freedom. When he says believe, he's not just talking about an intellectual verbal confession. A lot of people in today's world will say, yes, I believe in God. Yes, I believe these things are true. And it's just a verbal intellectual confession. But here's the the thing. Jesus says even the demons, the very ones that were enslaving that girl who was proclaiming all these false salvations, they believe that. They believe Jesus is Lord. Jesus says that many on the last day will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we believe, but he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so, lest our faith this morning be not saving and just an intellectual verbal confession, we must be reminded that to truly receive this freedom in the midst of this broken world where everybody is wrestling with it and questioning it, to truly be free, belief is an active reality. The Greek word for belief is pistis, which is an active result. It's, it's, it's faith demonstrated through action. Now, what is that? Is it coming to church on a Sunday morning? Is it being involved in a Bible study group? Is it just opening the Bible and reading it every day and checking it off your list? Did my Old Testament reading? Did my New Testament reading check? No. Unless you wanted to be accounted among those who said, Lord, Lord, and Jesus says, depart from me. Now, true belief involves surrender. Repentance. Lord Jesus, I believe in your name. I believe in the midst of this broken world where everyone's trying to figure things out that you... You alone are the answer. You alone 
through your life, through your death, through your resurrection, give me a chance to overcome this broken world. And so I turn my life over to you. I was walking in sin, and now I am repenting, and I'm going to walk in your truth by the power of your spirit. I may fall, but you will pick me back up, and I will keep walking. And one day, you will return. I will see you face to face, and I will be with you in the kingdom of God forever. That is repentance. How do you know that such repentance has taken place in your life? A lot of people want to point back to a particular time and say, well, on this particular day, at this particular time, I asked Christ into my heart. The Bible says nothing about asking Jesus into your heart. It talks about confessing him as Lord and repenting. And such repentance is demonstrated by fruit. Meaning, if you truly have confessed and believed and trusted in Christ, then you will begin to produce the fruit of a godly life that is part of walking with Christ. Many people today may be walking out and saying, I believe, I believe, but their life has never changed one bit. Not one bit. The Bible challenges such repentance. Transformation and change where we begin to live out the teachings that Christ has called us to. So that's the belief. That's the life. That is what Christ is calling us to embrace if we want to taste that true freedom. Which everybody out there is, is crying out for in some way or another. Searching for. Christ offers it to us, but we must believe. And here's the thing. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, we come and we, we say again, again, Lord, this sacrifice, your ministry, it's the only way for true freedom. But we would take this supper in vain this morning if we forgot the fact that we are not called just to celebrate but to go out and proclaim to this world, to our neighbors, to the many people who are wrestling with the question of, is there any hope? Is there a better way? How can I find it? And so we are called to go out and proclaim the gospel. Just as Paul and Silas go into this area of Philippi, in this tough area, once again, very pagan, a leading city. It's, it's a challenging thing here in the area of Rome. But they go out and they say there is a gospel, there is a good news, there is a hope. And so Elgin Street Baptist, we are the ambassadors of God here in this particular town to go out to those who are in this town and say, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for strength, there's only one person in whom you can find it. And that mission will be a bitter but also a sweet mission. Bitter how, though? Well, look what happens here in this text. After the ministry takes place, after Paul, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, casts out that spirit and makes that declaration that Christ alone is the salvation. What happens? 
The masters, oh, this is amazing. This is a truth that we need to hear. Let's confess and believe as well. What do people in the town do? Oh, yes, let's embrace this together. No, it's the exact opposite. They begin to oppose Paul and Silas. They begin to harm Paul and Silas. They begin to say, these men, they are coming to ruin us. That's the tragedy of the gospel. The fact that we will go out, we will proclaim the good news, and Jesus warns us, and this passage in Acts warns us and reminds us that many people will hear the gospel, the very thing they've been longing for, some kind of freedom, some kind of hope, and instead of believing, will reject. Say, no, I don't want that. Sad irony of it all. They want freedom. They want hope. They're talking about it. And the very one who alone can save them from the grave comes and they say, no, I don't want that. Do we have family members? Do we have friends? Do we have coworkers that are in that shoe right now? Where we've been saying, the hope is Christ, the hope is Christ. And they hear that and say, no! Well, the scriptures tell us it's going to be a reality. What is true here for Paul and Silas is going to be true for us here in our prayer. But, that being said, despite the fact that opposition will come, despite the fact there will be people who will say no to the gospel, and not only just say no to the gospel, but actually begin to seek to oppose us, the messengers of the gospel, Despite the fact that family members may turn on us, that friendships may be lost, that our influence in our work and it may seem to be decreasing as people tell us, we have no room for your faith, we have no room for your God, so just be quiet. Despite the fact that it may feel like our ability to minister is slowly being decreased in our country, we are reminded of the amazing truth that even in the midst of it all, God allows his church to go into such situations just like Paul and Silas go into prison because still he's going to use them despite the opposition. And that's the sweet truth. That in the midst of the bitterness of it all, God will continue to be faithful to his mission. And as we go forth, no matter how much freedom we may appear to have and how much freedom we have taken from us, as we trust in God to open up doors and share the opportunities to be able to share the gospel, the truth is, just as in the case of Lydia, just as in the case of the Philippian jailer, many people's eyes will be opened, the Holy Spirit will work, and they will believe, and they will trust. It's a mission. It's a, it's a bitter but a sweet reality. We are called to go out and to endure this. No matter what opposition we may face, trusting God. For in the midst of this broken world that is crying out for hope, there is one gospel that truly offers freedom. We are called to go and proclaim it. And no matter how much opposition may come, God is going to be faithful to use us to still bring lost souls home into the kingdom of God, and that gospel cannot be chained. May the Lord empower us to go out this week 
as we go to the coffee shop, as we go to our homes, as we go around this town and we see people that are asking the same questions like John Lennon. Is there a better way? Somebody please help me. May we be the messengers to go and say there is one hope. Jesus Christ. And if we face opposition, we endure. But we also know that many will come to trust and believe. What a great experience that will be. What joy that filled the Philippian jailer's house that day. What joy that Paul and Silas experienced as they saw such a conversion take place. May the Lord lead us to experience that as well. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful that in the midst of this world which has rejected you, experiencing the consequences of sin that we have brought upon ourselves, there is one hope. We are thankful for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we come and we gather around this table, we proclaim the freedom that is offered in his name and his name alone. And we pray that you would empower us like Paul and Silas to go forth and to proclaim the gospel and even though opposition may arise, to trust in you to work for our good, to provide circumstances and situations where we can minister the good news and see many saved. For Christ we pray. In his name, amen.